Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. In a few minutes, good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's really great to see all of you here. Some haven't been able to come quite a long time to be here in person. What a difference. Hmm? And to have Jinan here from Germany and Julio from east of here. I don't know, Sharon Springs area, right? Yes, all of you. Yeah. What is so rare as a day in June? What is so rare as to receive human form and to encounter Buddha, Dharma, Sangha so intimately? Today is June 19th, 2022. Father's Day. A time of reflection on our interwoven human trajectories throughout the generations. Generations of societal constraints, trauma, great and often difficult teachings we receive through what we might call family dynamics, all of which enrich our practice, and we might also say push us into practice and lead to feelings of acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude. This past week, Andy and I visited Jesse and Amy, our son and daughter-in-law in Northampton, Massachusetts. And it was an unusually deep time. It wasn't just the pleasure of being together again, but the profundity of investigating our four decades 
of being parents, being child. Jesse and Amy have been on a profound spiritual journey recently. And much as we discover in session, they've been able to see how the challenges of childhood lead to the formation of protective identities that can keep one locked in, closed up. And through this process of acceptance and forgiveness, They've been unlocking the creative power of who they truly are and true gratitude wells up. It spurred insight into my own struggles with expectations, I can't and shouldn't try to meet. And the taking on of inherited roles that may not be authentic to my true being. And maybe blocking the further entry into liberation. And this process goes on years and years of Zen practice, years and years of being in this body. Next year, I will turn 80. And you might say, all right already. Haven't you finished this work? But you know this endless path. It is truly endless. Profundity after profundity. Today is also Juneteenth, the celebration of the end of slavery. It took two and a half years for President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation to become a reality in Texas and other Confederate states. Thousands of enslaved men and women and children were never told 
of that emancipation proclamation. Finally, on June 19, 1865, soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, bringing the news that slavery had been abolished. The last of those in bondage. 250,000 people in Texas alone were finally free. But freed into what? This morning's New York Times has a guest essay by Casey Gerald. True meaning of Juneteenth. He writes, I eventually learned more about the violence that met newly emancipated black Texans. Ku Klux Klansmen, along with local officials and everyday citizens, terrorized freedmen at will and without repercussions. They burned churches and homes, intimidated those who sought employment, and worse. General Joseph Jones Reynolds, a commander of the Department of Texas during Reconstruction, commented in 1868, the murder of Negroes is so common as to render it impossible to keep an accurate account of them. Slavery, he continues, this is, again, the person I was quoting, Casey Gerald. Slavery was awful, no doubt, but emancipation brought its own unique cruelties. Formerly enslaved Texans, were forced to craft lives from less than scratch, choose new names, attempt to reunite with stolen partners, siblings, children. They faced daily threats of jail or worse because of the new black codes that severely restricted their freedom, their freedom to work, but also their freedom to be unemployed, or even to stand still for too long. End quote. Ever since the pandemic began, we've been in a continuous process of investigating how to practice. We've been doing some intuitive adaptation and opening to creative change. Moving from the cave-like practice of lockdown to our current 
hybrid embrace that excludes no one and nothing. Hi, y'all. True mandala of everyone, everything as it is. Our threefold Sangha is spread out not only among three temples, New York Zendo, Daibusatsu Zendo, Zen Center of Syracuse, but all throughout the Dharma Datu, this one world of bodhisattvas dwelling in the ten directions. Since 2022 began, we've been celebrating Mandala Day on the Sunday closest to the 21st of every month so that we all can gather the way we have been since we adopted Zoom. The 21st of June is this Tuesday when summer officially begins in the Northern Hemisphere at 5.14 a.m. And we follow the Mandala Day format that Soen Nakagawa Roshi created when, as a young monk, he was living in a hut on Mount Daibosatsu, adjacent to Mount Fuji. He wrote to Nyogen Senzaki, living in Los Angeles, inviting him to join in what he called this spiritual interrelationship day. We started our celebration with a shakuhachi piece by Watazumi Doso Roshi, who came to Daibusatsu Zendo with Soen Roshi many years ago when a small group of us lived in Jirakuan, as the Beecher House was then called. And he would play on the shore of Beecher Lake each day before dawn. Warazumi Do so followed his own path. He left the Rinzai Zen establishment and forged a unique 
Shakuhachi style. He taught that the overarching purpose of learning to play the Shakuhachi is to develop insight into one's own life. It's not just making music or listening to music. Music, he taught, is not a fixed idea or a prescribed series of notes. It is all around us. And bird calls. And water and wind sounds. Children playing. Food being cooked. All these vibrations in the air are emanations of the one sound. What Warazumi Dorso referred to as life force. Recently, I've been rereading Where the Heart Beats, Kay Larson's wonderful book subtitled John Cage, Zen Buddhism and the Inner Life of Artists. If you haven't read it, I really recommend it. She herself is a long-time Zen practitioner. One of Cage's early mentors in the 30s was Oskar Fischinger, who fled the Nazis in 1936. He told Cage, Everything in the world has a spirit. And this spirit becomes audible by its being set into vibration. Cage said, he started me on a path of exploration of the world around me, which has never stopped. Cage met and formed a lifelong relationship with dancer and choreographer Merce Cunningham, with whom he fused sound and movement in revolutionary ways. And he began taking classes with 
D.T. Suzuki at Columbia University and was especially struck by the words of Wang Bo, Obaku, Ringzai's teacher. Quote, our original Buddha nature is in all truth, nothing which can be apprehended. How does Song of Zazen start? Sentient beings are fundamentally uh, Buddhas. You cannot apprehend that statement. Right? What do you have to do? To really experience, to live it. Yes? Wangbo says, it is void, omnipresent, silent, pure. It is glorious and mysterious peacefulness. And that is all which can be said. You yourself must awake to it, fathoming its depths. That which is before you is it in all its entirety and with nothing whatsoever lacking. What Watazumi Doso called the life force, or that one shining alone. Wangbo continued, every day, whether walking, standing, sitting or lying, and in all your speech, exhibit no attachment to things of the phenomenal sphere. Whether you speak or merely blink an eye, let everything you do be utterly dispassionate. How did Sozan Zenji the third ancestor put that? The great way is not difficult. Just avoid choice and attachment. So Cage realized you can become narrow-minded literally by only liking certain things and disliking others. But you can become open-minded literally by giving up your likes and dislikes and becoming interested in things as they are in and of themselves. And with this insight into this teaching, he began using chance operations based on the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching, the Chinese Book of Changes, as an organizing principle in his work, throwing the coins, 
receiving an answer. Okay, that's it. Never saying to himself, I don't like that answer. That answer, I want to find a different answer. Just going with it. And then continuing with his classes with Dr. Suzuki, he steeped himself in the teachings of the Flower Garland Sutra. How many of you have read Suzuki's third essays, the third volume of essays on Zen Buddhism? It's all about this Kegon teaching with its detailed vision of the interrelatedness, interdependence of all things and all beings in this luminous universe. It's a beautiful thing to read, but it may take you the rest of your life to go beyond the first paragraph. The key image is one you know well, at least you've heard of it, Indra's net, where there's a diamond at each connection that shines with its own inner light and reflects all the light from all the other diamonds, infinitely. So if you ever wonder, what am I doing here? That's it. Cage said, Suzuki spoke of two qualities, unimpededness and interpenetration. Now, this unimpededness is seeing that in all of space, each thing and each human being is at the center. And furthermore, that each one being at the center is the most honored one of all. What does that remind you of? I alone, each of us, and the world honored one. And then Cage further reflected, interpenetration means that each one of these most honored ones of all is moving out in all directions, penetrating and being penetrated by every other one, no matter what the time or what the space. Light that each of us is emanating, right? It's moving out in all directions.
And really, isn't this the most wonderful definition of mandala? Each of us is a diamond at the center. of a net that stretches through infinity and eternity, shining our inner light and reflecting all the lights from all the other diamonds. This vision of a luminous realm of ultimate reality that the Buddha awakened to came from his miraculous power of samadhi, Dr. Suzuki wrote. He said, this miracle was effected by the strength of a great compassionate heart, which constitutes the very essence of samadhi. For compassion is its body, its source, and the means of expanding itself all over the universe. Some of you may remember V.T. Suzuki's last words. Don't worry. Thank you. To be this simply and full. Don't worry. Thank you. So we are the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of this mandala. Through our own entry into samadhi, we come to realize and actualize our compassion. And then things happen and we become forgetful and fall into old patterns. And then what? Hmm? We sit. We listen. Without saying or doing anything at all. And then, what is needed simply presents itself. 
and we're there for it. The purpose of our life presents itself. So let us bow in gratitude to our fathers, Mother Earth, each other, and the great mandala of all living things. All beings, past, present, future. The sermons of insentient creatures. To all this, we offer ourselves as vessels of Dharma. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.